0: Now we're the hosts of the podcast, ooh, the mom and mouse and me. <laughs> We've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. We're finishing the silver era <laughs> and bronzes after that. We'll have to chat about Arista cats and who wants to do that. <laughs> so, ooby doo, <laughs> I wanna be like you, hoo hoo. Up dooby doo what? I wanna pod like you, cast like you do you'll see pods true do a cast like me do <laughs> can pod to be like podcast like cast one more time <laughs> <laughs> can cast to be like cast pod like pod
1: <laughs> I'm sorry I messed you up but uh. I couldn't resist
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect
1: mom to chime in <laughs> I had to I mean that's just how the song goes (laughs) I
0: appreciate it otherwise it would have just been dead air (coughs) when we did Ichabod and Mr. Toad which was the end of the last era I did a super involved one so I was like what if that's like a thing Yeah, like I do a more involved one for the end of the miniseries
1: (laughs) the jungle book
0: let's talk about it hello everybody and welcome to me mom and the mouse a podcast (laughs) yes no that's it (laughs) a podcast about the joy of watching cartoons with your family we're watching every film in the disney animated canon talking about how it was made what it means and why we love it or don't my name is isaac coleman and i'm joined as always by my mother rue coleman Hello, Isaac. This week on the program, we are continuing Disney's silver era with 1967's The Junkled Book. (laughs) Now I'm imagining a
1: book that's like all
0: overgrown. Yes, the mossy gross book that sucks. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. What does this movie mean to you?
1: I feel like I don't have a lot of specific memories about watching this movie. I've heard the music far more than I have seen the movie it wasn't released on vhs i know until the 90s um so i probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to see it earlier than that when we were watching it again this week i felt like i don't remember this movie as well as some of the other ones we've watched recently my mom actually this is the first disney animated movie she ever got to see in theaters so that's an interesting connection (laughs) I'm suspecting I probably saw the song sections more than I saw the movie. You know, how they would show a bit of bare necessities on some other show. Because those were the parts that I felt like, these are really familiar, but the whole movie put together seemed less to me. I do get... The final song of the movie, or I should say, you know, the final new song, My Own Home. Right. I get that one stuck in my head. That is one that sticks with me and will just play in my head a lot.
0: Interesting, because that's, to me, I feel like that's the least memorable. That was the one where watching it, I was like, oh, I don't know every word of this song.
1: (laughs) Well, when we would go camping, I would be sent to fetch the water. So that probably helped stick it in my head. There you go.
0: Uh, maybe that's what friends are for is also not as mm-hmm. memorable as the others, but yeah, I like them all. I like all the songs. Yep. The Jungle Book is a movie that I love mm-hmm. and I still love it. Yep. We had Dak Clamshell. We did. This was a very special VHS because it actually had a special
1: feature. Ooh. I thought it might have, but I wasn't. I couldn't remember for sure.
0: Don't ask me what special feature it was. I'm sure (laughs) somebody knows, but it had a special feature about the making of the film and about how it was Walt Disney's last film yeah at the end of the vhs like after the credits and that was the first time i really thought about the movies outside of the movies themselves <laughs> was seeing that and being like you know oh like walt disney died making this movie yeah and like seeing the actors and the sherman brothers talk about it yeah and it was like oh there's there's some background to this movie. Maybe I should obsess over this and start a podcast in, like, more than 20 years. <laughs> and spend my evenings <laughs> watching horrible spinoffs and writing really <laughs> sweaty parodies of the songs. That's what I said to myself watching that. I'm
1: sure that's what you said to yourself. <laughs>
0: I gotta say... I'm sorry. I hope I could still be your son after this. Oh. I like this movie better than Sword in the Stone.
1: (laughs) It's fine. You're allowed. I still like Sword in the Stone better.
0: I think this movie comes together better. I mean, we talked about the Sword in the Stone ending, Mm -hmm. whereas I love the ending of this movie, (laughs) and it totally works for me. Mm -hmm. It's a ton of fun. I was thinking about, like, what the appeal of this movie is because it barely has a plot I would say. Uh It's a hangout movie. That's what it feels like to me (laughs) like we weren't laughing out loud at it like we definitely were even just talking about Sword and the Stone Mm -hmm. but you get to hang out with these characters who I really like and you get to hear some of my favorite Sherman Brothers songs and the animation I would say is definitely a step up from both Sword and the Stone and 101 Dalmatians and uh, it's a grand old time (laughs) do you want to talk about the background of this movie or do you want to talk about the foreground of our podcast. Let's actually do that. (laughs) So we're going to be taking a break. Yes. A long break. Here's the thing. We love doing this podcast. We do. Uh, We want to keep it up. We're really excited to talk about the Bronze Era.
1: Yes, we are.
0: Jokes about the Aristocats aside. There's so much stuff coming up that we're like, oh, we have to talk about all this. Yep. But it has become very hard for us to keep up with the podcast, Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically the editing duties, especially while we're on the silver era the fun recording is followed
1: by the slog of editing
0: right it's been hard for us to keep up with it i hope it hasn't uh, been too obvious during this series but it's really been that scene in wallace and gromit where he's riding on the train and building the track in front of him <laughs> at the same time Yeah. We've barely kept up. We're recording at odd hours. I haven't been sleeping. Mm. And that's not really what we're trying to do here. Because this isn't a job. And it's about to get a lot harder. Because in the next month, I am preparing for a huge move. Yep. And you now have a job. It's true. Just this week, you have started a new job. Yeah. Post-pandemic, sort of, kind of. (laughs)
1: Uh, At least post-vaccine for me.
0: (laughs) So, keeping up with this uh It's going to be much, much, much harder.
1: So, what
0: we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We always take a break between miniseries, but this one we are going to take at least, and I want everyone to hear the word least, four weeks. Yeah. It may be more. Now, during that time, we might, uh, we're planning to, in fact, put out a mailbag episode. Definitely. MeMomMouse at gmail.com. M E M O M M O U S E, if mm-hmm. you want to get your questions in. Gonna do a mailbag episode. Maybe we'll find time to do something else fun. We'll play a Disney trivia game, whatever. We'll see. Yeah. As mentioned, job, move, hard times. (laughs) But we're gonna take at least four weeks off. We are going to hire an editor... Yep. So that we can focus on the part of the show that brings us joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will, of course, be paying an editor. And I will say, we are still hiring for that. This is a paid position. So if you're listening, you're a podcast editor and you're like, hey, I love the show. I'd love to help make it happen. That's again, M-E-M-O-M-M-O-U-S-E at <laughs> gmail.com. i laugh every
1: time you sing it. <laughs>
0: Donald Duck.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was thinking that too.
0: But we're going to be hiring an editor. To make it so that we can actually keep up with production. We're going to take that long break. We are going to come back. Promise you we have to do the Bronze Era. There's so much in the Bronze Era that we have to talk about. So we are going to come back. Don't know when exactly. But we will be back, and the hope is that once we come back, because we'll have an editor, we'll have a new process, we'll actually be able to, after that, consistently keep up.
1: That's the plan.
0: It's a long break, followed by us releasing episodes every week, rather than several months of a weird, inconsistent schedule. Who knows when you're getting an episode? (laughs) That is a thing we've decided to do. And if you have a problem with that, you could send in your complaints to our mailbag, which is... At M-E-M-O-M-M-O-U-S-E <laughs> dot <gmail> at com. <laughs> That's the housekeeping out of the way. The movie we're talking about today started as a book. It did. A book published in 1894, which actually started as a bunch of short stories written beforehand <laughs> that were compiled in a book. So didn't start as a book. That's the first lie of this episode, and you better keep up. <laughs> course written by rudyard kipling yep and rudyard kipling was a noted racist and author yeah yeah he was born in india but he was english this was when england was colonizing india and ruled it and it was pretty great if you weren't an indian person
1: yeah he
0: was a big big proud fan of empire and imperialism and one of the most important things he wrote was the white man's burden
1: mm-hmm. which
0: was a poem about how the white people had to go to all of the non-white countries and rescue these savages from their selves yeah not good stuff and some of that definitely makes it into the jungle book more than outright imperialism this particular book is more about Kipling's reverence for power and this idea of might makes
1: right. So it's like the reverse of what you're supposed to learn in the previous movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's very much about the Panther Bagheera who is so strong and doesn't believe in being humble, and the terrifying python ka and Mowgli, who commands fire and possesses a gaze the beasts cannot meet without flinching.
1: <laughs> Apparently it's Mowgli. Mowgli? Apparently it's supposed to be pronounced Mowgli, and they did it completely wrong in the Disney movie.
0: Well, I'm going to continue to say it the way the movie pronounces it, even though I am... I am I'm sure it's wrong. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, uh, more in this book, this book is not overtly imperialist, unlike some of his other work, but it is very much about the tigers are born the naturally dominant predators of the other species, and mm. you can kind of draw some some parallels to other genetic superiority. So that's the Jungle Book The book. After The Sword and the Stone was released (laughs) in 1963, Bill Peet pitched to Walt Disney The Jungle Book. Because he was like, let's go back to animal characters. We had one whole movie that wasn't animal characters, and that's too many. (laughs) And it's also, that movie is like half animal characters, but not enough. (laughs) Maybe all the Chanticleer guys were like standing, you know, Mm -hmm. just outside the room with like clubs. Like,
1: (laughs) animal movie. Animal movie.
0: So they're like, let's do the Juggle Book. It's this super popular book. Yep. And Disney was like, yeah, that makes sense. Bill Pete started writing an original treatment. He goes the opposite direction of Sword in the Stone, which is really interesting to me because Sword in the Stone, Bill Pete is like, let's just do jokes. Mm -hmm. Merlin is Mm -hmm. a blue triangle. Yeah. And Walt is the one being like, maybe there should be a plot and we should try to have an emotion. Kind of the opposite in this, where Pete turns in this very dark, sinister story, more matching the tone of the book not really matching the story of the book he does create the character of louis king of the monkeys because it's gonna be important in a little bit i couldn't find why he picked the name louis i think he just just for funsies. But it was less funny, and it was going to be about this treasure hunt, basically, uh, which is kind of taking a plot point from the second Jungle Book, Mm -hmm. which was also written by Kipling. Disney thought it was too dark, and he insisted on script changes, and they got into a big old legendary fight. (laughs) We've talked about the egos at this studio. So, you know, Pete was like, I'm the greatest, and Disney was like, it's my name on the sign. So, uh, of course, Pete lost (laughs) that argument. It.
1: yes he in fact left
0: <laughs> so then disney assigns larry clemens as the writer larry clemens uh had not done an animated movie before closest he'd gotten was doing the live action scene writing i should say the live action scenes of the reluctant dragon
1: oh wow
0: he had before this written winnie the pooh and the honey tree which of mm-hmm. course we're going to talk about later yeah disney assigned him as the head writer and he assigned the three or four other storymen to work for him, and he gave him a copy of The Jungle Book and reportedly said, the first thing I want you to do is not to read it.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's a story I remembered hearing a while ago.
0: Walt was actually quite involved with this movie because Disneyland had kind of died down. He wasn't as involved with the live action movies. He was really working on his uh, Epcot thing, Yep, which... I mean, the Epcot story, I don't know that we have time to talk about it here,
1: but... (laughs) No, but you can look that up and it's really interesting.
0: And the Jungle Book, and that was sort of it. Well, he was also, of course, working on dying from lung cancer because he had smoked every day of his life. Yeah. So that's all he's doing right now. And he was more involved with this and his whole thing was like take every dark and scary scene and make it silly. Mm -hmm. Like if there's a part in the book that's kind of scary, we're just going to completely flip it and make it ridiculous. Like the vultures in the book are scary and obviously they eat dead things and they're more villainous. What if instead they were the Beatles, which was reportedly a Walt idea. Mm
1: -hmm. It's funny because he hasn't been, hadn't been involved as directly in any of the, previous movies right that was not a thing i had really realized i had known that he was quite involved in the jungle book and it was the last one he was involved in the last animated movie but i hadn't realized how little he was involved in a few of the ones leading up to it
0: (laughs) yeah you really got to go back to lady and the tramp for the last movie with heavy walt involvement yeah so let's Go ahead and just talk about King Louie. Okay. So King Louis is a character who is not in the book and who is invented for this movie. Correct. And he has been accused of being a racist character. There is actually mm-hmm. on Disney Plus where we watched this movie as we have watched all these movies. Pops up with a disclaimer that kind of surprised us we were like i don't remember anything particularly objectionable in the jungle book the argument is that king louis is and some would argue the monkeys in general are stereotypes of black people that they play into minstrel stereotypes i don't really agree i don't see it or at the very least i think it's fair to say i don't see it to the extent of like dumbo yeah dumbo is a movie where straight up every anime working on it was like we're doing a minstrel bit and the main white voice actor voicing a character named jim crow exactly was like oh yeah i'm famous for doing minstrel stuff they brought in for me to do a parody of a black person's voice and they Uh move like minstrel characters and they have minstrel character makeup So yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say the Crows and Dumbo are minstrel characters. Exactly. This one, I really dug and there's nothing like that. There's this rumor that the character was based on Louis Armstrong and that uh, Louis Armstrong was originally going to play the role and then they cast this white guy to replace him. That ignores a lot of context. First Mm -hmm. and foremost, no, it wasn't. Even Wikipedia just cites this as true so i like tracked down wikipedia's sources i tracked out those sources sources and it mostly seems to come from a quote from richard sherman where basically when writing the song they were kind of inspired by louis armstrong because they were handed like write a song for a character named king louis and they're like what if we did a song that's kind of like louis armstrong right that seems to be the extent of it i'll read the exact quote We were thinking about Louis Armstrong when we wrote it, and that's where we got the name, King Louis. Now, that can't be true, because Mm -hmm. Louis was a part of the script way before the Sherman brothers got involved. It's true. That just cannot be true. So then he says, Then in a meeting one day, we brought it up, and they said, Do you realize what the NAACP would do to us if we had a black man as an ape? Uh They'd say we're making fun of him. So... The way I read this, it seems like the Sherman brothers were kind of thinking, oh, Louis Armstrong. They pitched it to Disney as an idea, and they were like, absolutely not. Yep. At no point was Louis Armstrong seriously considered for or offered the role, mm-hmm. which is the urban legend that is just not true. Yeah. At no point was he actually considered for it, because, again...
1: They were like, that would be racist. (laughs) They actually recognized doing that would be racist, which, you know, that's progress. The only person who was offered the role was Louis Prima. Which seems to have been just a case of serendipity that the names matched, because Bill Pete had put the character named King Louis in his treatment. There had been other songs written by a different songwriter for the Bill Pete version. And then when Disney threw that out and got the other writer... And then he got the Sherman brothers to do the songs. The only song they kept from the other songwriter was Bare Necessities. Uh,
0: that other songwriter being Terry Gilkyson.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure how to say his last name. I think it's Gilkyson. <laughs>
0: but yeah, and he wrote more kind of dark, serious songs that match a Bill Peep version. And they're like, throw it away. Except that the Bare Necessities song. I feel like that might become one of the most popular Disney songs of all time. <laughs> so
1: maybe keep that one around. Right. I mean, apparently everybody in the studio who had heard the song was like no this song's too great we have to keep it
0: and it should be noted also King Louis's name not spelled like Louis Armstrong's name and not spelled like Louis Prima's name so you'll also hear that he was named after him
1: Not true. I I always kind of assumed it was named after Louis Prima, but I hadn't paid attention to the fact that it's spelled differently.
0: So Louis Prima, by the way, complicates his story even further because he was a jazz singer, a Dixieland jazz singer, which is the genre of the song, i will Be Like You. And... He was an Italian, specifically Sicilian singer, at a time when ethnic musicians were, like, not supposed to present as ethnic, Right? you know, if that makes sense. You were supposed to be as white as possible. He was like, no, I am proudly Sicilian and Italian. And as we discussed in the Lady and the Tramp episode, because, wow, we've really talked about race a lot in this (laughs) series. (laughs) It's true. Italians were not seen as white at this time to the point that he would perform in black clubs like that is how much he would have been seen as what we would now consider a person of color at the time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: even though Italians are no longer seen that way to a certain extent it's almost diverse casting to have Louis Prima (laughs) by the standards of the time Mm -hmm. so again it gets complicated further and further I don't want to be like oh it's it's not racist or whatever. I mean, yeah, everyone's heard this podcast. No one is more willing to take Disney as a company to task <laughs> for being racist, problematic, or just plain annoying than I am. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything. I just keep comparing it to Dumbo and the Crows. Mm-hmm. I will say this, the Jungle Book, the original book, incredibly problematic. Right. So, I mean, adapting that material questionable some of the choices they make like both you know the the indian humans in this movie are played by white people we wouldn't do that today mm-hmm. and today we probably would avoid Even the suggestion of anything like racism by having the monkeys sing a jazz song. So there's some iffy stuff at the corners of this movie. And if you find that problematic, you don't want to watch this movie because of that. You don't like this movie because of that. That's fair. You have to draw your own line with this stuff. Yep. But it is simply not on the level of Dumbo. Nor do I think there was really intent Mm -hmm. behind it. So I find the whole controversy a bit overblown. I do actually have one article that I stumbled across in my research. By the way, this is another thing, and I don't want to overgeneralize and I can't say that my research is like the most conclusive ever, but every article I saw talking about the perceived racism of this movie in King Louis was written by a white person. Of course, I'm going out of my way to search for Indian writers or in this particular case, you know, black writers. I couldn't really find anything, which kind of says something to me, but I, I don't know. But I did happen across an article that I just really enjoyed written by an Indian woman that is titled What the Jungle Book Meant to a Girl Growing Up in India Yeah. Why I Identify with the Flower in Underpants (laughs) and if you want to know what the Flower in Underpants is you'll have to read the article
1: I'm gonna have to I guess (laughs)
0: <laughs> but she talks about being obviously an Indian person and what she thinks of the various adaptations of The Jungle Book and yeah. what some of her other friends, both Indian and Indian American, think of various adaptations of The Jungle Book. And I just happened across this and I was like, oh, this is a really nice little article and it shares a good perspective. So I will be putting that in the description. Cool. As for the other castings besides Louis, is Louie, <laughs> of course, the most important one is Phil Harris. Yep. Was a comedian and a musician, and he played Baloo, and he just straight up was Baloo, and they let him, like, improvise most of his dialogue, Mm -hmm. and...
1: He pretty much played himself. Yes! (laughs) This is probably the first time... They really went out and got a lot of big name people to do the roles.
0: Post-war time, yeah.
1: Yeah, post-war time. Getting Louis Prima, getting Phil Harris. These were big names at the time. And of course, Phil
0: Harris will go on to be in The Aristocats and in Robin Hood. Yeah. And in weirdly a movie we've mentioned twice in this miniseries, (laughs) Rockadoodle. Rounding out the rest of the cast is mostly Disney ringers. We've got Jay Pat O'Malley.
1: We've got Verna Felton. And her last role because she actually died the day before Walt Disney did. We've got Sebastian Cabot as Bagheera.
0: We've got Sterling Holloway as Ka, Yay. of course. Yeah. And then kind of a lot of British actors rounding out the rest of the cast. And they did want to get the Beatles to play the vultures. Mm-hmm. There are two different versions of why the Beatles didn't do it. Both apocryphal. One is that the Beatles schedule didn't work out. And one is that John Lennon personally was like, no <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna be the vultures in a disney movie yeah no yeah. we're not gonna do that not in 1967
1: and of course they got george sanders to be Sher khan the tiger and they copied his facial mannerisms so well i can kind of see the actor when i'm watching the tiger <laughs> another 1960s batman Yes, because he was Mister Freeze. He was one of the Mister Freezes,
0: and he's been in a few other movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the Alfred Hitchcock Rebecca, All About Eve, but really, I think he's known for Mister Freeze and Batman. <laughs> They put more effort and money into the animation than usual. Uh, The backgrounds are very nice and they're hand-painted. The animation itself is still using the Xerox method, which you can tell. But again, the Xerox method doesn't look bad. It just looks different. Yeah,
1: I read that they also touched it up a little more. So they did actually um, paint a little more after they had done the Xerox process to make it a little bit looking a little better. They did still reuse a lot of animation in this movie.
0: But I feel like they do a good job of making it a joke. Like right. when Ka falls out of the tree the exact same way twice. Yes. It's not just like in 101 Dalmatians, Cruella is driving one way and then they flip the screen and she's driving <laughs> the other way. The fact that Ka gets defeated in the same way every time is part of the joke. Yes. and He like kind of comments on it. Yeah. And it's... I feel like they do a better job of yeah, we're repeating animation. You know it, we know it. Here's a joke about it. Yep. And so uh, you it kind of goes down more smooth. It does. Also, supposedly for the animation, they uh watched more animal references, which mm. I'm
1: sure is true to a point,
0: but like beforehand, we were reading a lot about like oh, Baloo was based on real bears and it's like no, he wasn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, he looks more like a real bear than some other Disney cartoon bears that we've had before. So there is that. But at the same time, he's still not very much like an actual real bear. But that's okay, because he's hilarious.
0: Correct. This is not a complaint. I like the fact that he's Phil Harris as a bear. (laughs) That's what I like about this movie. I wouldn't like it to be a real bear. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it. The only reason I roll my eyes at it is because of the claims that right. like, oh, we've really studied bears. No, <laughs> <laughs> you might have noticed bears usually walk on all fours. <laughs> Panthers, too, for that. <laughs> the music, not too much to talk about. I think that we haven't talked about before. The score was George Bruns. The songs were the Sherman Brothers, except for Bear Necessities. Mm-hmm. Those two are the best. It's the best. And then the movie was released. It was a huge critical success, a huge commercial success. It's still, like, one of the highest grossing movies in many countries. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, one more bit of casting we didn't talk about. The remaining Reitherman son as Mowgli. (laughs) Because the person they cast originally, once again hit puberty (laughs) because you have to do the live action reference and the voice. And it takes four years to make these movies. I found this funny interview that I don't have in front of me right now with Bruce Reitherman. Yeah. He said, you have to rush it to the cutting room as quickly as possible (laughs) or else adolescence is going to claim your star. (laughs) The whole interview with him was pretty funny. He talked Mm. about like how his father discovered him for the role. And he's obviously (laughs) being very tongue in cheek. (laughs) right uh bruce reitherman we'll talk about again because he also played christopher robin yep before this in the
1: movie we'll talk about after this it's true the winnie the pooh one is weird because the bits were released as shorts and one of the shorts came out before this movie four of the actors who were in the winnie the pooh are in this one after they did it (laughs) but we aren't going to talk about winnie the pooh for several more episodes (laughs) it's very funny But I feel like even this movie has influences because of the way the book looks at the beginning. Yeah, let's jump into it. There's a book. So at the beginning of the movie, the jungle book... Book that we see that opens up looks like when the book in Winnie the Pooh opens up, where you actually open the cover and it looks like a book with pages that turn and it has, you know, a title page and then chapter, you know, chapter listings and chapter one, whatever. And then you go into the, there's a, a you know, a picture that then turns into the animation that you're watching, which is very much like what they do in Winnie the Pooh. It seemed that the jungle <laughs> would be torn,
0: but oh, wait.
1: <laughs> I don't believe this was actually a physical book. This one just looks like an animated book.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. The oboe is used throughout this movie. Yep. in the score, and it really gives it a jungly theme yeah. that I've always appreciated. I I was joking that the oboe is the should be the credited star <laughs> of this movie. Yeah, but you get definitely get that here where you know it's just that like do 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 do.
1: Yeah, the opening credits is an overture again.
0: I appreciate. How quickly this movie moves. It
1: does. I'd forgotten how quickly it gets moving too.
0: And it probably doesn't help that I watched, just because of the timing of how we're recording this, most of the spinoffs before this movie. <laughs> so it was like, oh, they're not wasting a ton of my time with this stuff. <laughs> That's nice. But Bagheera is the narrator. Yeah. Great Sebastian Cabot. Yep. He finds a little baby. Is cute. He does.
1: Little cute little baby in a boat that is all wrecked. So... Uh, we're going to say mom status, presumed dead. So, But then Bagheera decides he's going to take the baby and give it to a family of wolves he knows that have just been blessed with a litter of cubs.
0: And I love how it's like, I'm going to leave the basket here. Maybe they'll eat him.
1: We'll <laughs> They're either going to adopt him or eat him. Either way, I, it, I don't need to deal with it anymore. <laughs>
0: either way, Bagheera's
1: done his part. <laughs> right. The mother wolf is totally charmed. She's like, all babies are good babies. (laughs) So then, you know, Mowgli's mom status is a wolf. Wolf mama. Ten years
0: later, everybody loves Mowgli. Yep. Shere Khan shows up. Nobody loves Mowgli. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a council rock meeting. They're like, listen, we know you love the man cub, but we love not getting killed or eaten by a tiger.
1: Exactly. The tiger hates all men, even when they're still cubs.
0: Which I have to say is like, I mean, it's a good motivation. <laughs> You're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Man burns the forest and hunts animals. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen Bambi. Yeah, that's pretty much accurate. <laughs> Man is an enemy of nature. Uh Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's 2021. Yeah, Uh okay.
1: Understandable. Understand that this, uh... Feeling you've got.
0: But Bagheera's like, I will take Mowgli to the man village that I probably should have done 10 years ago.
1: <laughs> well, at the beginning, the excuse is he doesn't think he could get him back to the man village before he dies of hunger because he's a baby.
0: Yeah. But yeah,
1: I know. It's like
0: uh... the geography of the jungle is nonsensical, which <laughs> is fine because it's a hangout movie. But yeah, it's never really cl- like I I'd kind of forgotten. This movie is not a journey to the man village. they are. Yeah. On the bridge to the man village, multiple times throughout the movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's never clear why they end up at the man village. You know, they just happen to be right there at the end. Again, it's just they are wherever they need to be. It doesn't have any relation to potential geography.
0: Like, where is the vulture wasteland?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, it's really close to the man village where they've burnt the jungle.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> and also has to be pretty close to the ruins. It's yeah, not, who knows? It's not
1: important. So Bagheera, of course, takes Mowgli on a walk, doesn't tell him where they're going. And then at nighttime, find, when he's like, let's go home, Bagheera's like, no, actually, I'm taking you to the man village. And, you know, basically the entire movie, Mowgli's like, but I want to stay in the jungle. This is his most common line i like the
0: animation of mowgli Mm -hmm. the performance is just okay yeah and the character himself you know mostly exists just so we can hang out with these fun animals Mm -hmm. but it's fine Mm -hmm. also he has a red diaper (laughs) that he has in every version every disney adaptation of this no matter how seriously they're trying to take the material they're like
1: but he has a red diaper
0: and i'm not saying (laughs) he needs to be running around wearing nothing
1: yeah, like in the book.
0: And it's even funnier later, the amount of structural integrity this diaper has. <laughs> it is bolted to his hips. Yep. Anyway, nine minutes in, Ka shows up. Yep. I totally forgot that.
1: <laughs> Ka hypnotizes Mowgli and wants to eat him.
0: Right, is giving Mowgli crap after this where he's like oh you can handle yourself alone in the jungle kid and it's like dude if you had turned around it's especially funny throughout the scene because it's one of those things where bagheera can hear everything mowgli says right. but cannot hear anything Ka says yeah. Ka is very creepy i think you think so even now somewhat mm-hmm. i always kind of felt like he was scarier than sheer khan and maybe yeah. that's because as a kid Anything with hypnotism freaked me out. Yeah,
1: I don't find him creepy. I always found him kind of funny.
0: And he messes it up for himself because as he is about to chow down on some man cub, he has to make a joke about he won't be here in the morning. Right. And that's what wakes up bagheera and then he hypnotizes bagheera that's very scary yeah the the once the adult is imperiled Uh that's a problem
1: but then of course mowgli manages to wake up and pushes cause coils out of the tree so that he goes sliding down smacking on the branches all the way down and at the end when he hits the ground there's a knot in his tail
0: yeah i mean it's a really funny piece of animation it is painfully slinking off with the accordion sound effect (laughs) and With a knot in his tail. Yes.
1: Oh, my sinuses. (laughs) And then we're right into the colonel. The next morning, the elephants are heard coming, arriving, singing their song, Colonel Hathi's March. I love this song too. Yeah, this one's great. Mowgli hears the elephants and goes to see what's up. One of the elephants that's marching along is a baby elephant. Mowgli makes friends with him and decides he wants to try being an elephant.
0: Yes, the baby elephant is Junior. Junior is played by Clint Howard. Okay. Who's been in a few movies and is the younger brother of Ron Howard. Oh. Of the two kid actors in this, he's kind of (laughs) better. Maybe it would have been cool if he was Mowgli, but... I mean, of course, ideally an Indian person would have been cast as Mowgli, but it's 1967, so don't...
1: He sounds younger, though, than they probably wanted Mowgli to be.
0: Yeah, probably. As you say, it's it's a good scene. It's
1: a fun scene.
0: Fu- again, this is why I'm like, this is a hangout movie. Like, Mowgli's just having fun.
1: He's yep. joining
0: the ranks. He's walking around. It's all very silly. Yep. It's totally just kids playing. Yep. Even the grown-up elephants are just kids <laughs> playing. Because, uh, of course, Colonel Hathi, he's basically cosplaying like he's in the army. Yeah. Yeah. And making everyone else do so as well. <laughs> and everyone's fairly bought into it except for his wife,
1: who's like, "Uh, Yes. She's the grumbler. I love when he orders them to "Uh, right face and they all pile up squished up together because there's not room for them to turn sideways. And we're
0: doing a, a military inspection. It's just... Yeah, so many jokes. And again, Jay Pat O'Malley, who we've talked about so much. Anytime he's playing a character, it's good.
1: Oh, it's true. He does a great job with all of his characters.
0: I love particularly when he's inspecting arms, and he's like, (laughs) "That trunk can save your life in battle."
1: And it's like, (laughs) yeah, see, the trunks are equated with guns, and their tusks are equated with bayonets
0: and I like every elephant is distinct yeah we're not I mean 101 Dalmatians we would be copy pasting elephants Mm-hmm. the final joke of this scene is an elephant never forgets and then he forgets his own son yes
1: he actually has both a mother and a father the little elephant junior it is fun that Verna Felton started her career doing an elephant in Dumbo for Disney I should say right yes as a voice actor for the Disney films and then ended on an elephant with Winifred the elephant mom
0: it's not a big role but she gets stuff to do especially yeah. later and yeah it's you know I'm gonna miss Verna Felton mm-hmm. and much like Dumbo we have a mass elephant pile up
1: <laughs> Bagheera and Mowgli are fighting about going to the man village and Bagheera gets fed up and's like fine I will leave you alone and he leaves I guess he's again trying to just maybe Mowgli will die and I won't have to worry about him right. again. <laughs>
0: this is bagheera is constantly flirting with letting mowgli die but he can never quite commit he cannot this is the scene where baloo shows up yep and immediately is kind of the best part of the movie i mean
1: (laughs) yeah calls him little
0: britches and they start play fighting basically
1: because baloo's gonna teach him how to fight like a bear
0: as, you know, there's a big bear roar, that's where Bagheera's like, took a little longer than I thought, but it happened. So I guess the idea is, I'm going to abandon you to show you you will die on your own. Still a risky gamble,
1: for <laughs> sure. I know. And you feel like he should have just gone out of Mowgli's sight, but it's it makes it seem like he's continuing to walk away the whole time. But you feel like if he's just trying to teach Mowgli a lesson, he should just go out of Mowgli's sight and then kind of be (laughs) circling, right? Right. (laughs) Waiting for the call for help. Whatever. Well,
0: I I certainly hope he gets in trouble while
1: I'm still in earshot. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So he comes running back. And of course, Mowgli is not in danger. But he does say, oh, no. It's Baloo.
0: That shiftless, stupid jungle bum. Yep. And this establishes the main dynamic of the movie, which is kind of sword in the stone-ish of the two different parental figures. There's the one that's more serious and the one that's fun but kind of lazy. The right answer is probably somewhere between the two. Because one thing I appreciate about this movie is that it's not just like Mowgli, you idiot. Why are you not going with Bagheera? It's like, yeah, Bagheera is yeah. a lame, mean scold, and Balu <laughs> is so much fun. Of course, yeah. you want to hang out with Balu. I want to hang out with Balu. Is Balu free on Thursday?
1: Do you understand why Mowgli doesn't want to leave the jungle? I have lived my entire life in the jungle. Everybody I know lives in the jungle. Why would I want to go to the man village where I don't know anyone? I don't know how to behave.
0: I want to stay in the jungle and vibe. I don't want to have to learn what a deductible is. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: Human responsibilities suck. I'm with you, Mowgli. You should (laughs) stay in the jungle. Don't come to the world of man. It's really... Hey, it's
1: really bad.
0: (laughs) Stay with blue. Yep. And now there's a song that I don't think we really have to talk about. Pretty forgettable.
1: (laughs) Bare Necessities. We don't have to talk about it because everybody knows it.
0: I mean, it's it's a great song and a great sequence. Yep. Of course. As you say, everyone knows it.
1: They do in this movie do a better job of using the songs to forward the plot also. They're not just we're going to pause and have a song or we're going to expand on something and have a song. You really get story in the song so with bare necessities you really get Baloo explaining what his deal is and Mowgli buying in and Bagheera rolling his eyes and
0: right because it starts with the the good joke about like I'm gonna teach him everything I know and Uh Bagheera's like oh that won't take very long right and this is what he knows is just like enjoy life again just vibe Mm -hmm. just whatever don't be anxious about what you don't have Mm -hmm. just appreciate whatever you do have yeah he knows how to eat that's his one piece of practical advice.
1: He very nearly drops a rock on him, though.
0: <laughs> Although I did write down, Baloo's lessons kind of better than Merlin's. <laughs> More applicable. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and they're drifting lazily down a river. and it's, It seems very nice. Again, of course you want to hang with Baloo.
1: Yep, Baloo pretty much wants to adopt Mowgli as soon as he sees him.
0: <laughs> and that's why I like this movie, because I get to hang out with Baloo vicariously, mm-hmm. but you know... Mm-hmm. It's just a fun fantasy world to live in. And then again, this movie goes so fast, right after Bare Necessities, pretty much, I think. The monkeys are here.
1: The monkeys steal Mowgli right off of Baloo's stomach. And Baloo calls for Bagheera to help because everybody knows Bagheera's the one who knows what to do.
0: And they're going to go to the ancient ruins.
1: Yep, where they know the monkeys live.
0: This is... My favorite scene, specifically the song. I like it over bare necessities. Mm -hmm. That's why I had to do it at the beginning. Yep. I love the animation of King Louis. Mm -hmm. how he uses his feet as his hands and he's swinging everywhere. They're really having so much fun with how he can move.
1: Right. They really go to town with his arms being so long.
0: I love the bit of the song where they're doing the whole business with the the monkey that has
1: the fan. Yeah, the white haired monkey with the fan who kind of upstages King (laughs) Louie.
0: Feels a little similar to like the musician in scumps, And it feels like there have been a few songs where there's like a silent partner in the song yeah. who's kind of messing things up. Yeah. The frog in Sword and the Stone mm-hmm. in the fish scene, kind of the same idea. Yeah. But it, it's good. And this is maybe my favorite version of it. And they're playing the trumpet with their mouths. <laughs> Eventually, in the song, you're talking about the song moving forward the story. Right. It's revealed that what Louie really wants is not just to be a human but to have access to human fire. Yes.
1: But of course, Mowgli has never been among humans. He doesn't know anything about how to make fire. <laughs> it's right. not just something that's intrinsic to humans. like.
0: And I always think it's funny how in all these versions of the Jungle Book You know, including the original book, it's all about the power of the red flower. And like all the animals are afraid of it or covetous of it. And it's like the jungle burns naturally. Forests burn naturally. (laughs) You would know what fire is.
1: But they don't know how to control it. Man can control it, I guess.
0: I mean, it's it's totally fine as a conceit. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, Baloo and Bagheera are trying (laughs) to do a stealth mission. But Baloo cannot resist how good the song (laughs) is.
1: He can't resist the beat. He's gone, man. Solid gone. <laughs> Solid. That gone. part, I would say probably that part is my favorite of the movie. Like just the 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 sneaky mission to try to get Mowgli back and the like the battle scene. I don't know that I would say the whole thing is my favorite, but that part for sure. I have a harder time picking a favorite scene in this movie.
0: I would pick the song starting from when the song starts yeah. to the end of the song, mm-hmm. which, of course, includes this section. Includes right. Baloo in his hastily assembled ape costume.
1: Yes, with a couple coconuts for his mouth. Having fun
0: scatting with King Louis, yeah, which is great. He, he,
1: he doesn't even seem like he's, you know, caring about any sort of plan. He's just having a good time. Gosh,
0: it's so fun, the two of them scatting mm-hmm. together. I want them to be friends. <laughs> I want King Louie and... And Baloo to turn out to be friends. <laughs> after this, wait for later. Yeah. <coughs> Sequel,
1: spinoffs, remix, <remakes>, rights, and. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, but I want it to be good also. <laughs> and these two actors. But yes, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Uh, of course, the song ends with the disguise
1: falling off. Correct. Of course, it has to break. And then there's the fun chase scene where they're basically like playing keep away with Mowgli. It's very like when they're doing, you know, keep away with the deed to Toad Hall.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. It's like that. It's a little Mm Scooby-Doo-ish as well, you know. Baloo hits Bagheera with a club accidentally. Yes,
1: Bagheera gets
0: all the abuse. (laughs) Well, that's what he gets for being boring. (laughs) For not having a good song.
1: It's true. He doesn't get any song. And then, of course... The entire ruined temple collapses. And that's how they get away from the monkeys. Baloo attempts
0: murder, I feel like. He, <laughs> Baloo's pretty deliberate about, oh, we'll bring the structure crashing down on King Louis's head. Now, King Louis does not die. Of course not. But through no fault of Baloo. <laughs> it's a really short scene. It right. moves quickly. And yet it is, to me, the most memorable. And the ruins as well. That's part of why I think I love this scene because it's such a cool set,
1: Mm -hmm,
0: so to speak, a cool background, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, Louis gets crushed. Or doesn't get crushed.
1: His dreams are crushed.
0: Now Baloo and Bagheera have black eyes. Yeah. Which is a nice detail that persists for a little
1: while. Yep. They're arguing about what to do. Yeah, because of course Baloo wants to just adopt Mowgli and let him live with him in the jungle as a bear. And Bagheera's like, he's gonna get
0: killed by a tiger. And Baloo's like, well, I don't really want him to get killed by a tiger. I also have to call out another part I love, which is you wouldn't marry a panther. I don't know. No panther ever asked me. (laughs) Which is not only a pretty good joke, but it's like Baloo is just so accepting in this movie yeah. and nice. Yeah. I know we keep alluding to the live action movies and we should save them, but like that's one thing I don't like as much about the most well known live action jungle book, the 2016 John Favreau version, is Baloo is mean. <laughs> he's a con man. He's very Bill Murray, where he's acidic. I like him much more in this where he's just a really nice guy who seems accepting of everyone. He'll hang out with the monkeys. He'll marry a panther.
1: He'll even hang out with Bagheera, who he thinks is you know, a square. Yes, a stick in the mud. Yep. Exactly. And so, of course, you know, once
0: he's aware of the danger of the situation, he will escort Mowgli back to the man village.
1: But here's where he makes his big mistake. When Mowgli asks him where they are going, he breaks down and tells him he has to take him to the man village instead of, oh, we're just gonna go on a interesting ramble this direction. Oh, hey, look, we ended up at the man village. What a surprise.
0: <laughs> I do have to call out, though, before that moment, when it becomes morning before the conversation starts. Yep. What do we do? The song is back.
1: Da, 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 da.
0: Gotta call it out every time. Yep. And I gotta say, this part gets to me a little bit. Not the part that uses what do we do. <laughs> but afterwards, when Mowgli runs off, it's specifically like when Baloo goes you know, if anything happens to him, I'll never forgive myself. Yeah. I appreciate as much as Phil Harris, you know, his hiring was, oh, let's just get somebody silly, you know, to be a real comedian. He actually brings some emotion, Mm -hmm. which is much appreciated.
1: So they, Baloo and Bagheera, split up to search for Mowgli. But here we finally see Shere Khan for the first time. We've heard about him all movie.
0: (laughs) It's always a good trick. It's like the third man thing where you spend the whole movie building up a character, especially if it's a villain, and then they show show up and you can just put all your expectation onto them. Yep. And I think Shere Khan is a great villain. I love the performance. I love the animation. Oh, I
1: do too. George Sanders does such a great job.
0: He's so well-spoken and sounds almost kind, but everything he's saying is not actually. Correct.
1: He's introduced hunting a deer who is again Bambi's mother. Well, She gets away though because the elephants come by again and scare her off.
0: Right. They do a reprise of their song except 15,000 times louder.
1: (laughs) i always thought this was a very interesting scene where you get to hear the conversation that's going on between bagheera and the elephants both from their perspective and shere khan overhearing them i always thought this was an interesting audio trick i feel like though when i was watching it i was wondering if this is one of the records we had when i was growing up or if we just had something that had the songs on it without the pictures because I remember hearing this scene and being confused as to why the sound is sometimes far away and echoey, right? Yeah. Because if you're not watching the movie, but if you're just listening to it, you can't tell what's going on exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. uh, This is where Winifred has had enough. She speaks up. Because the colonel does not want to help with the man-cub issue, but she convinces him.
1: Yep. What if it was... Our son who was lost
0: And as much as the colonel is kind of abrasive He always loves his son Even in the earlier inspection scene It's so nice when he gets to his son And he's like, Aw I love you (laughs) Yes And even the one small piece of criticism he gives
1: Is really kind, yeah
0: Again, this is clearly my thesis statement for the whole movie Is that all of these people, animals (laughs) Seem nice and seem like people Who it would be nice to spend time with
1: Yeah, except for Shere He gonna eat ya. (laughs) And then, of course, as the elephants go off to help search for Mowgli, they are destroying the jungle as they go.
0: This was my biggest laugh in the movie. There's a (laughs) few laugh-out-loud moments, even having seen it many times. And as I say, this being not as much of a straight-up comedy. But this... The the animation of them (laughs) destroying the forest. After they've been talking about how it's going to be a stealth mission. And the colonel has this incredibly complicated plan for how they're going to sneak up on him. And then just crash, stomp, smash. Yep, yep,
1: yep, yep.
0: And at no point do they pose any kind of threat to Shere Khan. In fact, they're out of the movie (laughs) They're so obviously useless.
1: yeah Then we have... Kind of a longish scene of Mowgli just wandering through the jungle. I'd forgotten that this is like the slowest point of the movie. Yes.
0: More oboe music. And we should say, because we haven't
1: called it out explicitly, the backgrounds in this movie are great. They are. They are beautiful. He's just wandering through the background. (laughs) Appreciate this. (laughs) And the music. It's so good. And then he meets Ka again. And this is where Ka sings Trust in Me, because Mowgli is all disillusioned. I don't trust anyone. I always quite liked this song even though he's trying to hypnotize Mowgli so he can eat him. It's too creepy. It is creepy, but it's... I don't know. I like the song still.
0: And the animation, of course, is clever. Yeah. Him
1: making himself
0: into a stairs and a loop. Uh Uh-huh. His size changes all the time which is fine it's a cartoon he's
1: as big of a snake as they want him to be
0: sometimes he's a large snake and sometimes he's a large highway
1: (laughs) yeah and then shere khan comes along and hears that Ka is singing the song and pulls his tail like a doorbell
0: and it's a good subtle way to emphasize how much of a threat shere khan is that he can't be hypnotized. Yeah. Mowgli, of course, got hypnotized. Bagheera got hypnotized. Yep. Shere Khan cannot be hypnotized. And of course, I love his response where he goes, oh, I have no time for that sort of
1: nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And he inspects all of Ka's coils, except for, of course, the sneaky ones he leaves up actually holding Mowgli.
0: Another joke that I love is he's talking about finding the man cub and... Ka goes, search me. (laughs) And Shere goes, oh, why? that's an excellent idea. And Ka immediately, right after he says it, before Shere Khan's even done responding, he's like, oh, why did I say
1: that? Yep, yep. Oh no, my mouth got away from me. It's a great conversation between the two of them.
0: I feel like there aren't a lot of Disney movies where we have two villains who are at odds with each
1: other. Yeah. It's a good dynamic. Yeah, because a lot of times if there's more than one, you're going to have a different one in a different scene, right? They don't ever... right. They're both villains, but they're opposing each other also.
0: Yeah, Shere Khan is a creature of ideology. He sees man as a threat. Yep. Kaz just hungry. Yep. Kaz will eat whatever is close. That yep. happens to be the man-cub yep. right now. Yep. What's very important, Mowgli starts this scene talking about how I feel like I can't trust anyone. And Kaa's like, you can trust me. And the end of the scene, Mowgli goes, you said I could trust you. You sang a whole song about it, but I couldn't, yep. obviously.
1: And cause like, you were right, you can't trust anyone. And that's the important character
0: moment. Yep. The plot in this, the characterization in this isn't deep, but it all pretty much works for me. More so than Sword in the Stone, where I'm like, yeah, whatever, can we get jokes? (laughs) This isn't jokes. Yep. Speaking of jokes, (laughs) one of the things I think... Our family quotes the most of any Disney movie, which is the vultures, the Beatles-esque vultures. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Don't start
1: that again.
0: Yes, every time we talk about where to go for a restaurant, what to watch on Netflix, any of the many indecisions that come with modern life, somebody (laughs) has to say, don't start that again. Yep,
1: so what you want to do? So I love how the vulture who does it shrugs his shoulders. (laughs)
0: Uh, And again, they're in this creepy wasteland that feels like it's a completely different place, but don't worry about it. We're setting a mood.
1: Yep. And so while they're trying to figure out what they want to do, Mowgli comes wandering in and they decide what they're going to do is pick on him. And they don't even pick on him very hard, really. It's a very minor teasing and he's like, go ahead and laugh and he's trying not to cry and he's just upset because nobody loves him, he thinks.
0: Yeah, he's had a pretty bad day. And we get a song that's very close to What'll We Do? Yeah. Maybe the same melody. Redo- I wrote down like a remix of it. Yeah,
1: it has, it has a bit of a similar feel. And he says nobody wants me around, which is of course the exact opposite of the truth. <laughs> I especially want him around. Or... Inside.
0: <laughs> and they have this song, which is... We're
1: your friends. I mean, actually, I think it's called That's What Friends Are For, but I tend to think of it as from the beginning where they go,
0: we're your friends. Which is mostly an acapella song.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like it. It's my least favorite song in the movie, but I love... Every other song in this movie, yeah. I think this one is merely okay. Yep. That's, you know, it's still good.
1: <laughs> They're doing fun things and finally Mowgli joins in and is going to trust them. And then Sher Khan comes in on the last line.
0: And I have to say, when he sings... That's what friends are for. Sounds a lot like Thurl Ravenscroft.
1: It is not. I did actually find who it is. Where did I find that? Give me a sec.
0: It's not the voice actor, right? It's not George Sanders. It is not.
1: He refused to do it, apparently. So it was Bill Lee providing the singing voice for Shere Khan. He also provided the singing voice for Roger in 101 Dalmatians. He was one of the dogs in The Pound in Lady and Lady in the Tramp. He's He's the baritone member of the Mellow Men. So basically they wanted a, a baritone singer. They'd be like, hey, Bill, come sing this bit. You you don't sound anything like the voice actor we got, but you sing this bit for us.
0: But I had to say, he was also the singing voice for Christopher Plummer in The Sound of Music, which is the craziest, <laughs> yeah. uh, most impressive credit. Uh-huh. And yeah, he, he was buddies with Thurl Ravenscroft because they were both in the Mellow Men. But correct. And everyone is immediately horrified <laughs> by him. It's just a good villain like... You know, hey, I'm making myself known. I'm flexing my muscles.
1: And of course, the vultures have been singing this whole song about how we'll be with you till the bitter end. We're your friends. And as soon as Shere Khan shows up, they fly away.
0: And Shere Khan has his little villain monologue, and of course he wants to make the chase more interesting. Yep. Never do that if you're a villain. It's
1: true. Don't try to make it interesting for yourself.
0: (laughs) Boring competence over making it fun every time. So I guess Bagheera wins in that sense.
1: There you go.
0: Bagheera does not win here. Baloo is actually the deus ex machina of the day. Yes,
1: Baloo catches up just in time to stop Shere Khan from devouring Mowgli.
0: (laughs) Another big laugh here, because he's holding on to Shere Khan's tail most of the time. (laughs) And at one point, everyone is in position such that the vultures are like, You can let go. Phil Harris just goes... There's teeth in the other end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shere Khan does manage to make Baloo let go and tries to kill him. You think potentially he might have. But while he's attacking Baloo, it's, you know, the big villain scene. So now there's a lightning storm. Lightning strikes a tree and catches fire. And so Mowgli ties a fiery branch to Shere Khan's tail because... That's the only thing old Stripes is afraid of.
0: Normally, this is where I'd complain like Mowgli should start the fire. I'm usually in favor of characters having more agency yeah. in their own stories in Disney movies. I don't know. It's not that kind of movie. <laughs> it's Mowgli not. has never had
1: agency before now. Why should he have some now? It's true. Even when he's trying to stay in the jungle, he just meanders around. He doesn't ha- seem to have any purpose. This
0: movie meanders around. It
1: does. It does.
0: That's what I like about it. As the vultures are distracting Shere Khan, which is fun in and of itself, yeah. they're pulling his whiskers, they're dive-bombing. Yeah, Mowgli ties a fiery branch to his tail, and Shere Khan does not die, but he is cowed.
1: He flees in terror.
0: And Baloo, who has been grievously attacked, seems like he might be dead, and this is where we get in the second reprise of What Do We Do literally just using that song again. Right, exactly. Uh, If I'm right that that other music cue is intended to be similar, then it's kind of the third, but really, it's the second usage of the song in the same movie. It's getting more and more brazen, (laughs) Bruns. But I mean, it does work every time. I have to give you that. Uh Uh huh. And Bagheera speechifies at length. He
1: eulogizes Baloo because they think he's dead. And he goes on and on about how wonderful he was. And as he's doing this, the audience gets to see that baloo is actually waking up and is hearing it and he's making quiet comments on how wonderful it is what B- <laughs> what bagheera is saying then baloo sits up and's like no there's more don't stop
0: <laughs> and it's a great Sebastian Cabot, who doesn't get a lot of laughs in this movie because he's very much the straight man, but this is a line reading he does that is so good and made me laugh, which is just immediately changing course and going, why, you big fraud? Yeah. Just just so offended. And so immediately, after all this stuff he's been saying about how, you know, the place where Baloo fell will be hallowed ground, and Mm -hmm. he will be remembered as the greatest of the animals. It's like, actually, I'm alive, and it's like, you!
1: You're the worst!
0: (laughs) I hate you! And, uh, Uh, this scene ends with the vultures doing one more don't start that again
1: (laughs) and now Baloo and Bagheera and Mowgli are wandering off together before they even have a chance to have the argument of now I can stay in the jungle because I chased Shere Khan off right they discover that they are near the man village and Mowgli sees the woman (laughs) <laughs> a girl but i can't ever resist t- throwing that rango joke in there
0: and uh this is a very nice song i find yep. it very lovely and i think this is a lovely moment it's good that it's a song yeah because the visuals sell it more than the talking mm-hmm. and you don't have to think too much about like these are kids is it weird yeah it's it's nice that it's like You know, the human world is full of many problems, and it's not as fun as just hanging out and singing songs, but there are actually things about humanity that are good, like human relationships, and being with other people is important. And I feel like it makes it not just... Like humans should be with their own kind Which some of the stories you know mm-hmm. uh, Rudyard Kipling was a big fan Of being with your own kind Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Of
0: strict social divisions mm-hmm. that Kipling But this it's more like There are things in humanity that are worth All the struggle of it And mm-hmm. it's not going to be as fun But the rewards are greater mm-hmm. and having a family is nice yep. And you can't just be a jungle bum Forever <laughs> Or you could read the scene as simply Hormones succeed where all else fails I do like that she deliberately drops the jug so that he'll pick it up. It shows that it's a mutual interest. He's not just like, he's not just creeping on her and she's like, ah, jungle
1: feral child. (laughs) She's into him from the beginning. (laughs) After she sees him, she changes her song to, you know, when I'm grown, I'll send my daughter to go fetch the water because I'll have a handsome husband. Wink, wink.
0: (laughs) Hey. Hey. Nice diaper.
1: (laughs) The last spoken line,
0: I believe, is, I still think he'd have made one swell bear. Then doesn't
1: he say, Come on, Baggy, get with the beat. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: think that's it. And he puts his arm around Bagheera, and they walk off. Walk Yeah, <laughs> they Off do. into the forest.
1: It looks horrible. But, uh, but, Bagheera's yeah.
0: finally singing the song. Yep. Bare necessities. Shere Khan is defeated. All is well in the jungle. Yep. And it's the end. Like I say, I think the ending of this movie just hits the perfect note for me of sweet and just a little bit serious, mm-hmm. but also we're still having
1: fun. Anyway,
0: what if we ruined that with some sequels, <laughs> spin offs, remakes,
1: rides, and reboots? Yep. I had forgotten just how many remakes and things there were. There are so many. There's so many. I couldn't hardly believe it. There's the More Jungle Book record album Phil Harris and Louis Prima were involved in, where they actually do tell a sequel story with songs that takes place after the Jungle Book. Is there any uh, Park stuff Worth mentioning? There really isn't. There, sometimes the characters will have appearances in the parks, especially in like a a parade or a show. It is more common to be able to do the character meet and greet with Baloo than it is with Mowgli, unsurprisingly, because Baloo is not only in the parks as from the Jungle Book, he's also frequently in the parks in his tailspin costume.
0: I gotta say, before we talk about tailspin, (laughs) I looked up the park costumes. (laughs) for the characters from jungle book they are not so good
1: oh that's pretty bad yeah (laughs) i did see a a a guy portraying mowgli in a pair of red shorts
0: (laughs) yeah and a skin colored outfit yeah because heaven forbid you see a nipple at disneyland i
1: guess (laughs)
0: But uh, the Baloo costume is not good.
1: (laughs) He does not look as much like a friend. (laughs) King Louie costume is not great. The Baloo costume is absolutely some Five
0: Nights at Freddy's happiness.
1: (laughs) Uh, You mentioned Tailspin. I believe Tailspin is the next off thing that happened in 1991. One of the Disney Afternoon cartoons that I watched when I was growing up, which I was a huge fan of the Disney Afternoon cartoons. It's a weird concept because they took three of the characters from the Jungle Book Mm -hmm. and put them in a modern but made up setting where Baloo is the pilot of a seaplane and Louie is the owner of a like bar and club on an island. He has his own island. And Sheer Khan is the businessman leader of a huge financial empire called sometimes Khan Enterprises or Khan Industries. Not exactly a villain, but he's not exactly a good guy. You come into his presence in fear and trembling kind of thing.
0: The idea is, what if the Jungle Book, but it's Casablanca kind of.
1: Kind of. So in that... Baloo and King and Louis are real good buds. Baloo is the best pilot. However, he is uh, also lazy and can't. Uh, he's Baloo. He's Baloo. He's shiftless and lazy, and he you know just wants the bare necessities. So he isn't able to keep his business afloat. Ha ha. It's a seaplane. There's a whole thing with another small bear who's about 12 that Baloo adopts basically and calls him Little Britches just like he called Mowgli. There is no Mowgli character, though this is kind of like Mowgli substitute, I guess.
0: You gotta have a kid. All these Disney afternoons, you have to have a kid. Of course you
1: do. Tailspin does not really hold up as well when I watch it again now as an adult, even though I liked it quite a bit as a child. But it does still have one of my favorite villains from any of these Disney afternoon shows, which is Don Carnage, who was one of the air pirates. He was my favorite cracked me up every time he was in an episode. He was at the Disney parks. You could meet him there. And I actually do have a picture of myself with the Don Carnage character because he was my favorite.
0: I gotta say, I've looked up the Don Carnage costume. It is way better than the Jungle Book costume. It
1: is. He's an air pirate who's extremely over the top. He's a cackling maniac. And he's voiced by Jim Cummings. So, you know. My terminology for the best type of Disney villain, cackling maniac. Exactly. With a huge huge, oversized ego.
0: It's funny how we're just like, oh yeah, Tailspin. We all know what Tailspin is. And yesterday we were trying to explain Tailspin to my little brother who had no remembrance of it. And when you actually explain it and think about it, you're like, this is one of the wildest premises <laughs> for a TV show. Now, I do have to say one of the big inspirations was a manga series from 1989 written by one Hayao Miyazaki about a pig-headed man who flies a seaplane and fights air pirates, uh-huh. which Miyazaki would later turn into the perfect movie one of my favorite animated films Porco Rosso Yeah they have a similar vibe I can totally see that inspiration
1: Yes I can I can see that inspiration and I mean he's Miyazaki does a lot with air pirates and stuff
0: Oh yeah Oh yeah he he loves airplanes he that's does. That's one of Miyazaki's biggest things. And that's not the last time Disney animators will take inspiration from Miyazaki. All right, well, enough with the fun stuff. Now let's go to hell together. (laughs) Let's start with 2003's direct to... Actually, not direct to video, but Disney Toon animated sequel the jungle book 2 which actually got a theatrical release (laughs) can you believe it pretty crazy even though it's clearly in the direct to video lane i think they were like jungle book is such a success this might actually make some money in theaters and it did make a little money in theaters it cost 20 million dollars to make and at the box office it took in 136 million (laughs) so a day This movie is pretty bad, but of the spinoffs we're going to talk about, it might be the best one in my opinion.
1: Really, I've never seen it.
0: <laughs> it's fine. It's not on the level of. I mean, having now watched so many of these directed <laughs> video sequels, it's not. Uh, it's not the level of a Cinderella three or a Bambi two uh-huh. where it's like, wow. This is like a movie. But it is trying. Yeah. I mean, it's very much doing the thing of what if the first movie again. (laughs) Um, I kind of like best the stuff because it starts with Mowgli and other humans. Right. right? We've got... The girl who's named Shanti And she is a younger brother Parents We got a mom status And she's got a big funny dad And we kind of spend the first 10 minutes or so there I kind of like the human stuff Because it's like Well this is something different And this is something that is interesting How is Mowgli, you know Adapting to the man village And Mm -hmm. who actually is this girl that he met And yeah uh, That's a lot of fun I'm actually kind of less into it Once we get back to the jungle Because of course They have to find excuses For every character to come back no matter how sweaty we gotta have the vultures except king louis who has moved out of the jungle <laughs> and is not seen now i have to say there's this actually has kind of an interesting cast we have Haley joel osmond as mowgli yeah because you had to have him yep and then one piece of casting that is actually brilliant oh one piece of casting that really Helps this film go down a lot more smooth, (laughs) which is the casting of Baloo. Now, who could possibly replace Phil Harris? It's literally a character built around an actor. (laughs) I posit to you, there's only one acceptable choice, and it is John Goodman. Yep. John Goodman as Baloo is brilliant, (laughs) and he's not doing Phil Harris at all. He's doing John Goodman. That's good. But he has that, first of all, he's a great voice actor, and he has the same affable big guy vibe he clearly really cares really enjoyed doing it it seems like he gives his all to the necessary bare necessities reprise and then second reprise of course as well as a new song called wild that isn't a very good song but john goodman's really going for it and he is a good singer it's an underutilized john goodman thing um i can't really think of another movie where he sings (laughs) outside of true stories which is a film I love So I mean that's just great And I love that And again if it, it doesn't save the movie Which I would still characterize as bad Some people working on this cared about it Yeah So also there is a smash mouth cover of I wanna be like you And I just need to curse you with that knowledge <laughs> Be glad I don't splice it into the episode right here
1: Yes Don't do it Resist the urge
0: Yeah you Okay, so how many live-action uh, reboots of The
1: Jungle Book is too many? Um, I would say probably one. Great. Well, there's three. I know, there's three. I couldn't believe how many I'd forgotten about some of them i mean i remembered the most recent one from 2016 and i thought there was one other but i'd forgotten there was two others the live action the jungle book from 94 the direct-to-video jungle book Mowgli's story from 98 and then the delarm from 2016
0: (laughs) so the jungle book 1994 the first one i didn't watch because it's not on disney plus and it was like do you want to rent this for $5? And I'm like, I do not. No.
1: When I saw the poster of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember seeing trailers for that back when it was a thing, but we never watched it.
0: <laughs> I don't know how good it is. Obviously, I didn't watch it. It seems like the one that could be the most interesting. It was written and directed by Steven Summers, who is best known for the Brenton Fraser Mummy movies. Just the first two.
1: Which are the two good ones.
0: Yeah, exactly. The ones that you would actually watch. Right. And it seems like he was kind of doing, even though those movies actually came out after this one, feels like a similar sensibility. Because mm. it's this one is much more of an adventure movie. It takes inspiration from like Indiana Jones. Yeah. I only discovered this movie after watching all the other spin-offs and was like, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to pay money to watch a fifth terrible version of The Jungle Book. But this one is well liked. So maybe it's actually good.
1: Maybe. And it's,
0: very, very different. It's much more human focused. It's more of a treasure hunt. Mm -hmm. The animals don't talk. They used real animals, no puppets, no CGI. Interesting. It's more Tarzan-y, in fact. It's a little Indiana Jones. It's a lot Tarzan Mm -hmm. because like at the beginning of the movie, you know, they're five-year-old kids and he has a crush on this girl named Kitty. And then she grows up and meets him and it's a romantic interest and she teaches him how to talk and everything so (laughs) yeah it's it's not much like the original book or this original movie but that is probably why i would imagine it's going to be the most successful of these because it's trying (laughs) it has a vision there's an author of the story but again i just couldn't i couldn't take it because i'd already (laughs) seen all this other stuff sorry didn't do my due diligence i should be fired (laughs) you know what suspend my pay <laughs> i'm gonna skip over the mowgli story we'll come back to that oh. instead let's talk about the <laughs> let's talk about the 2016 john favreau version you saw this in theaters
1: uh i did and i watched it again i believe because we actually liked it pretty well your dad and i it is not great but i thought it was different enough that it could still be enjoyable as an alternate version um as opposed to being a shot for shot remake of the original I liked how it gives Mowgli a little more agency because he, he really doesn't have any in the original movie I assume what one of the things you're gonna say you don't like about it is what they did to Baloo I would agree with that <laughs>
0: I pretty much don't like anything
1: about it yeah. so I had
0: never seen this before because I was like it's a alarm. I'm not gonna watch yeah. it but I'd heard for years people being like that's the one that's kind of good. Yeah, that is the one that is a straight reboot, remake, uh-huh. whatever. There's a straight alarm. Yeah. By the way, should have mentioned the 1994 version, technically the first alarm. I see nothing before 94. But anyway, this 2016 version, I really did not like it. Yeah. Um, John Favreau is a very interesting person in general, especially with Disney. Yeah. He made the first Iron Man movie and. Was the one fighting to cast Robert Downey Jr., which is why those things are a franchise. (laughs) It's so true. He, of course, did The Mandalorian recently, which in many people's eyes is the best Disney Star Wars thing because they're wrong. (laughs) Now he's also, he's the D'Alarm guy. He did this movie and then he did The Lion King one, which we'll talk about. So, like, he is... Kind of beloved. Like the people who go all in for the Disney franchise stuff that I'm obviously more skeptical of. Mm -hmm. They love him because they're like, oh, he did the Marvel and he did the Star Wars and he did it all. Yeah. This is an interesting transition point for him because before that, he used to actually make idiosyncratic movies that were anything. Rather than just doing, what if the Lion King, but worse? And what if Boba Fett?
1: Well, what he gets to do now, though, with Disney is, what if I have tons of money to develop fun new technologies as ways to do my projects? That is what he's all in about. And he used techniques he developed for doing Jungle Book, He expanded on and used them for the Mandalorian, which I think are very interesting things he has worked on and developed and and all that, but I won't necessarily say that makes him a great storyteller. <laughs>
0: no, and I don't think he was ever a great storyteller, but this is the crossroads of him being the guy who made Chef and the guy who's just going to make Disney corporate IP and wants to play with his tech toys, oh, as you yeah. said, because he's a he's totally a technician now. And so this is an interesting halfway point where he knows that his job is to deliver a remake of the Jungle Book yeah. movie, you know, of this, again, piece of corporate IP Mm -hmm. is how Disney sees it and to give people what they want but he also kind of wants to try to do something different but I don't feel he has a vision and I feel like the two parts of the movie are at odds with each other for me kind of the most important scene in the movie, and maybe it's just because it's my favorite part of the original, <laughs> is with King Louie. Yeah. So first of all, King Louie is not an orangutan in this. No. He decides Favreau decided to make that change. And his reasoning for the change is orangutans aren't in the, you know, Indian jungle where the movie is supposed to take place. Right. Fair enough. He makes him instead a gigantopithecus, mm-hmm. which is an ancient ape, That was extinct before humans showed up. So his stated reason for making the change is realism. And then he goes with something less realistic.
1: (laughs) He's gigantic.
0: Right. If he was like, I thought it would be cool if it was some King Kong business. I'd be like, well, that (laughs) at least is consistent. Instead, this feels so indicative of the movie to me where it's like, he made a choice, but the choice is inexplicable. (laughs) He did change something from the movie. But why? (laughs) So the scene itself, they really uh, go more like the original book. The monkeys that King Louis commands are a game. Yeah. And so... Christopher Walken as King Louie is doing very much a godfather bit. (laughs) That's the joke. He's the godfather of this monkey game. Which is fine. It's an idea. And he's much more intimidating. Again, he's a gigantopithecus, so he's huge. He's like a King Kong. He's scary. He's mean. And he's very much a full-on villain in this. Mm -hmm. He's being all intimidating. It's all lit in shadow. You don't even see his face Mm -hmm. for a while. It's Mm -hmm. a very menacing performance. And then... Halfway through, they have to switch to him going, Ooh, 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 I want to be like you, ooh, ooh, I want to walk like you. And that's like, yeah. that is indicative of the whole movie to me, where it's like, Favreau wants <laughs> it to be a darker action film, but it keeps having to be interrupted with the chill, goofy yeah, hangout vibes yep. of the original movie. And the result is just a complete
1: mess. I. Didn't feel like they needed to keep those songs from the original movie. They could have left out that one. They could have left out Baloo singing Bare Necessities, especially because that's not even that's not even Baloo's vibe in this (laughs) exactly that's what I'm saying and it's not King Louie's vibe
0: and the new versions of the song I think of both songs I think are quite bad I don't know you know to what extent it's Favre and to what extent it's Disney but it's the two impulses of like you have to have the two songs yeah you have to gun to your head you have to (laughs) but also you're making a completely different film and like he Take some stuff from the books and some stuff from the original movie and it... Again, it just feels like a completely schizophrenic
1: mess. And it feels
0: like after this he went, you know, what people just want is the same stuff again. I'll just do that and I'll play with my tech toys.
1: It's true. That is what people seem to want, even if it's not necessarily what we want.
0: Yep, and it was way more successful and he will be one of the most beloved filmmakers of his generation. By doing that stuff. And okay, sure, why not?
1: I still like that movie better than you. It's not, like I said, it's not a great movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoy some of the stuff they added. Some of it is annoying, but I feel like you can watch that one and it can be a good time. As opposed to a lot of the others, which are just
0: horrible. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you like that, doesn't bother me in the slightest.
1: Doesn't mean I want to like own it, watch it all the time, but... I'll watch that one occasional.
0: And I could talk more about the things I don't like with it, but I think I've summarized it. And yes. as you say, I mentioned Baloo earlier. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray is not who I want for Baloo. John Goodman is who I want for me. <laughs> okay, so now we have to talk about the bad one. What? Those weren't the bad ones? No, those weren't the bad ones. They were <laughs> bad, but they weren't the bad ones. Because the bad one is 1998's live-action direct-to-video mistake, The Jungle Book Colin Mowgli's story, <laughs> which I did not know existed until I was watching The Jungle Book 2 on Disney+. Plus. Heaven help me.
1: <laughs>
0: on the account we... The the profile we have on our Disney Plus account that I just named Trash. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Which is specifically for me to watch this stuff and not ruin the algorithm. And I saw something called The Jungle Book Mowgli Story. I could not find any details about how this movie came to be. (laughs) Was it supposed to be a sequel to the fairly successful 94 film? Is it supposed to be its own thing? Which it definitely is. It's just yet another version of The Jungle Book. Yeah. Why was this made? Why do this? This (laughs) is like... The only or one of the few direct-to-video live-action movies that were made at this time that apparently Jeffrey Katzenberg got behind. Why does this exist? (laughs) And how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? (laughs) We have to learn from the lessons of history here, people. I know that I said 101 Dalmatian Street is the worst thing I've watched for this show. I know that I say a lot of things are the worst things I've watched for this show. So I'm not going to say the Jungle Book Mowgli story is the worst thing I've watched for this show, but it's in the running.
1: Yeah, And it's
0: definitely the most technically- Competent because the way they choose to do the animals in this, not through puppets. Yeah. Not through live-action animals, yeah. not through CGI or very distressing motion capture CGI, but primarily through stock footage.
1: <laughs>
0: 95% of this movie is the actor playing Mowgli, standing, clearly facing nothing, and then cut to unrelated shot of a panther doing something <laughs> with a voice over it. Because it's that homeward bound approach. Yeah. Except that instead of getting animal actors it's just footage of animals
1: oh that's terrible
0: the only scenes I could see of Mowgli interacting with real animals were a bird at one point uh-huh. and his wolf parents who definitely aren't just huskies
1: <laughs>
0: so I think it's the most technically incompetent thing I've watched for this show because even 101 Dalmatian Street very bad mm-hmm. should not exist a bad idea executed badly but like it still has competent animation right you know it's it's like <laughs> a team of people made this this and it passed through some quality control not so with the jungle book mowgli's story nobody working on this cared (laughs) or tried it looks unbelievably bad the script is full of jokes Mm -hmm. but not good jokes like there's an annoying hyena character who's sheer con sidekick who laughs at all of his own jokes Uh. and that's the joke you might think that doesn't sound like a joke. That just sounds annoying.
1: <laughs> you might
0: think, well, at least he's not got like 50% of the dialogue in this movie. Ah. Yeah, he does. It's, it's really awful. You best believe there's a running bit with a skunk. Of course, of course. Don't worry, we're doing that. And it's fart noises. And it's like, that's the thing. It's this sense of humor, quote unquote, that is just awful. Mm-hmm. Even if... It didn't look terrible if it didn't have this awful composited <laughs> stock footage that's totally unconvincing. Yeah. Even if it was, you know, John Favreau himself took this to completion and made it look gorgeous <laughs> and used all his technological wizardry the script is unbearable yeah. the performances are nightmarish it's a nightmare it's true nightmare it's the worst the jungle book Mowgli star and that's why i was like why was this made a desperately googling mm. to try and find any production information how could anyone have thought this would be a good idea <laughs> i don't know it's awful. It's by far the worst of any of these Jungle Book things. I'd rather watch a Fat movie 52 times than come <laughs> back to the Jungle Book Mowgli story. I do have to shout out. Once again, there is one inspired piece of casting. Oh. And one person who is giving it their all in this terrible movie. Yeah. She cannot save it. But Eartha Kit as Bagheera. Mmm is the only thing in the movie that is even close to a good idea. (laughs) Eartha Kitt, of course, a legendary African-American entertainer who we will talk about again in one of... The best Disney villain roles ever is
1: Yzma. Yes, she just has a great voice.
0: And of course we have to make a, because she's Bagheera and Bagheera's a cat, of course we have to make a Catwoman joke. (laughs)
1: Because she
0: played Catwoman in 60s Batman. You just, you know, kind of laughed at that. I can see how that would seem like it's a charming reference, but of course it's not. Of course it's so ham-handed. Yeah. This is awful. This is evil. 101 Dalmatian Street is probably still more unwatchable, but I don't know, man. This is rough stuff.
1: Well, I mean, apparently there was also a Jungle Book inspired Disney Channel TV show.
0: Yes, I've watched this too! Thank you for reminding me to talk
1: about Jungle Cubs! Jungle Cubs! where it has the characters from Jungle Book as children. Ugh. Yeah, this is
0: not on Disney Plus either, but I watched an episode <clears throat> legally.
1: <laughs> the the problem is they change
0: all of the characters. Well, they have to. It's so weird. Shere Khan isn't a bad guy. Louie and Blue and Bagheera and Shere Khan and Ka are all friends. Yeah. They all have American accents, mm-hmm. which is weird. They're not even trying to do the same voices. Even though Ka is voiced by Jim Cummings, who has made a career out of sounding like Sterling Holloway, <laughs> he doesn't do the Sterling Holloway voice.
1: So weird.
0: Hathi is also there, but like, hathi is an interest in the military Ka isn't threatening shir khan isn't posh mm-hmm. what is the point <laughs> these are totally different characters yep just call it animal friends yes animal babies i have nothing really to say about this it's <laughs> this one's just boring it's not like the mowgli story movie where it's like ugh. this one's <laughs> just i felt nothing 10 minutes passed and i was like Ten minutes have passed. (laughs) This episode has gone very long. It's a big movie. There's a lot to talk about. And, uh, well, I think we
1: would both recommend it, right? I would definitely recommend this movie. Would we both show it to a child? Um, yeah, I think I would show it to a child. I mean, obviously, I showed it to you as a child. I don't remember how old you were. Um, obviously, still young enough to get scared by Ka's hypnotism.
0: I, yeah, I'd recommend it to a kid, (laughs) as you say, you know, Ka kind of upsetting, but not outright scary
1: right to me ka was always more funny
0: i gotta ask even though we have gone long do you have any thoughts on the silver era as we say goodbye to this era and we say mm-hmm. goodbye to the podcast for a little bit
1: well it did i didn't change of course my favorite movie of this era it started out sleeping beauty it's still sleeping beauty but i did find that i liked or disliked some of the movies more than i remembered (laughs) as much as i have seen these movies watching them again in order it's just so different to see them in the order that they originally came out i never would have suspected how interesting that would be even though i probably said that at the last era too (laughs) it still holds true sorry it's the same thing again watching them assemble the
0: disney dream team the sherman brothers george bruns their best actors it's
1: fun to see it all get together and to be able to really pick out and notice the characters that the same voice actor did and you know their just their evolution you know you can know oh when i'm watching this movie yeah i heard them or whatever in some other movie but to be able to go through it one at a time and Connect all the dots is a lot of fun. Um, They're still all good movies. There are some problematic elements that make it harder to watch a couple of them, but overall, it's a good era.
0: <laughs> it is. It's great. It's been great to revisit these movies. Yep. I'm really happy with the episodes we've put out, even though behind the scenes hopefully it hasn't been obvious <laughs> that it's been hard, but I'm really proud of the episodes. Yep. I've loved coming back to these movies. I've loved discussing them. Yep. For me, just because I love ranking things, mm-hmm. and I have put a lot of thought into it. Rank them all you want. Sleeping Beauty, number one, with Bullet. Best movie we've watched so far, and it's gonna hold that title for a while. Maybe all the way till the end maybe Alice in Wonderland a big surprise
1: yeah for both of us
0: but this movie's terrific I own it now I've already watched it a second time (laughs) it was it was great to watch it in a much better version yeah such a treat such a joy some of the best animation that has ever been The Jungle Book is my number three Mm -hmm. Sword in the Stone is my number four 101 Dalmatians is number five Cinderella's number six I love all of those Mm -hmm. straight Mm -hmm. up Lady and the Tramp Bit of a step down. I don't love it, but I like it. And then, of course, a distant last place for me is Peter Pan, which I found unpleasant to Mm rewatch. It's a really good run. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting run. And now Walt is dead and Disney's going (laughs) to have to figure out what on earth is it doing?
1: What are we doing now? Where do we go from here? And it's going to make the movies even more interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, they try a lot of different things. Some of them are incredible and some of them are very bad. And I'll tee this up. To make everyone want to come back from the hiatus, Bronze Era, first bonus episode somewhere in there, not gonna say where.
1: <laughs> Sneaky bonus.
0: The bonus episode I picked will be in the Bronze Era. I'm very excited to talk about that bonus. <laughs> As we enter the 70s and 80s with Disney's Bronze Era, starting with, right on 1970s, start of a new decade and a new era for Disney, yep. the Aristocats. Mom, what, if anything, (laughs) do you think of when you think about that movie?
1: I haven't seen it very many times, but I tend to think of the Aristocats as Lady and the Tramp with cats. It's a little bit of 101 Dalmatians, Lady and the Tramp with cats, as opposed to dogs.
0: So come back next week. When everybody wants to be a cat.
1: Next week, whenever that time happens.
0: Oh yeah, sorry. Come back in like a month and a half. <laughs> Come back next time. Yeah. For the Arrested cats. And until then, with all the love in our hearts, I'm me. I'm mom. And it all started with a mouse.